Welcome to the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, with your hosts, Max and Liz. This podcast is brought to you by Playful World Ministries. Max, Liz, and all the characters and adventures of the Epic Order of the Seven were created by and written by Jenny L. Cody. Oh, and by the way, as you listen to this episode from the audiobook The Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud, keep in mind you can download your very own copy of it by visiting www.audible.com. And you can find the entire collection of the Epic Order of the Seven on Jenny's website, www.epicorderofthe7.com. That's epicorderofthe7.com. On today's episode, we'll hear chapters 10 and 11 from The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud. And each week, we'll take a visit to Jenny's Corner, where we'll get to hear from Jenny Cody herself, the creator of the Epic Order of the Seven. Jenny will give us the inside scoop on all her stories, her inspiration, how she comes up with these great ideas, and much more. And she'll read letters from her loyal listeners, maybe even yours. Well, let's get started, shall we? Here's Max and Liz. Greetings, lads and lasses everywhere. Max, Max, you forgot to thank Monsieur Announcer. I'm afraid I did that on purpose, lass. Huh? He gets so touchy about his name. Oh, me we. I think Monsieur Renouncer is a fine name. He should be pleased with such a fine name. If it was my name. Ah! Oh, you startled me, Monsieur. You've got to stop sneaking up on us, then. Well, maybe one day you'll remember my real name. Hmm. And uh, which day would you like that to be? <laughs> <laughs> you got me. Good one, Liz. So, hey, what's happening on today's adventure? Oh, you want us to do our jobs then, huh? Uh, yeah. Could you do that? That would be swell. Uh, but of course, monsieur. Uh, no need to get snippy. Uh, so, Max? Aye? Uh, bring us all up to date on our story so far. Uh, gladly. We made our way through England. Uh, myself, Al, the big orange kitty, and Kate, the, uh, uh the bunny lass. Uh, ooh la la. Uh, moving forward. Uh, well, that's just it, lass. Moving forward were a problem, for we were staring straight at the sea. (laughs) A huge body of water. And Maximilian Braveheart here is uh, not a big fan of water. All right, Kitty, you made your point. And crossing it was going to be the only way to follow the fire cloud. But none of us were capable of swimming across that sea. So you prayed to the maker for an answer. Aye. And he gave me the idea to send our seagull friends to go find Craddock. Who is? He is a dear friend of mine. Ah, you still won't tell me? (laughs) You'll find out soon enough, lass. Uh, But all this to say, that facing all that water weren't easy then. It weren't no day at the beach. Oh, contraire, mon ami. That's exactly what it was. A day at the beach. Chapter 10 The Perfect Rock Jetty Kate and Al saw Crinan and Bethu take off flying toward the setting sun in the west. Al yawned and stretched out on the sand, clearly ready for sleep. Kate was curious and started walking over to where Max sat, looking at the two gulls in the distance. He looked up at her with a big grin on his face. "'What is going on, Max?' asked Kate. I think I found a way across the sea, answered Max, but I don't want to tell you just yet what it is. Now, why would you be keeping it from us then? Answered Kate. I need you to trust me, Kate. I know what I'm doing, I think, answered Max. I have to be extra careful with Al. 
He is a true scary cat, and this idea will be sort of hard for him to take. Well, I'm not a scary cat. I can handle it, Max. Tell me, pleaded Kate. Max sat there and looked into the soft eyes of this beautiful little dog. How could he resist those eyes? After traveling so long with Al, he wasn't used to being around a brave animal on this journey. Perhaps Kate could handle it. After all, she had made the journey all the way from Scotland alone. She was a strong-willed creature. Still, he didn't want to concern her before it was time. Plus, he wanted to make sure the plan was going to work. Well, let me think about it. But you can help me find a rock jetty in the morning. We're going to need one, replied Max. What's a rock jetty? Kate asked, cocking her head. It's a bunch of rocks that sit above the water way out into the sea, Max explained. You better get some good sleep now, lass. I'll guard things while you get settled, and I'll be nearby all night, said Max, now getting tired himself. Kate, although miffed that Max didn't want to tell her about the plan, felt glad she could at least help with part of it. And because he was so thoughtful making sure she was kept safe, Kate knew she could trust Max completely. Good night, Max. I'm glad I met you today, said Kate, smiling. Good night, bunny lass. I, it were a grand day, said Max. The little Westie lay down next to the rocks while Max kept an eye out on the horizon. The fire cloud lit the night sky over the sea. Max had never seen anything more beautiful. That is, of course, besides Kate. Max nudged Kate as the sun was making its way over the eastern sea. Wake up, lass! Kate slowly opened her eyes to see Max smiling at her. It's a bunny day, he said. Kate got up and stretched. Good morning, Max. It is a beautiful day. Aye, let's get going to find that rock jetty, said Max. Max and Kate left Al snoring soundly on the sand. They walked down the beach about two miles and talked as they looked for a rock jetty. Al says you talked to the maker. He also told me about your friend Gilliman. Aye, lass, Gilliman were me best friend. He taught me about the maker and the ways of life since I were a pup. Aye, the maker helped me on me journey alone. He also led me to meet you, said Kate blushing when she realized she actually said what she had been silently thinking. Max smiled at Kate, making her feel self-conscious. Uh, tell me about Gilliman, requested Kate, changing the subject. Max told Kate all about Gilliman and their wonderful times in the Glen. They walked along the beach, talking until they had reached an outcropping of rocks going out far into the water. All along the jetty the waves crashed, sending sea spray to cover the rocks. The water swirled around the base of the rocks, creating foam on top of the water that rolled into shore. The jetty extended fifty yards into the sea. It was exactly what Max was looking for. This is it, Kate. This rock jetty will work. It's perfect. Come on, let's go get Al, exclaimed Max. Kate thought it was endearing to see Max get so excited about things. His Scottish brogue got thicker and his eyes got brighter. How will a rock jetty work? What are we going to use it for? asked Kate, 
smiling at Max all the while. You'll see, said Max, as they ran back down the beach. Kate was somewhat frustrated now. She was confused and didn't understand what good could possibly come from the rock jetty to help them across the sea. Max wasn't talking. Kate was headstrong and didn't like taking no for an answer. She decided to race Max, just to challenge him. She wanted to see if Max could keep up with her. Kate went running fast ahead before Max knew what was happening. Max, not wanting to be outdone by a girl, picked up his pace. Max was growling under his breath. There's no way I'm going to let this lass, pretty though she may be, get ahead of me. Kate looked behind and giggled as Max tried to reach her. A flock of sandpipers on the beach scurried into the air as Kate ran right into them. They circled around and flew right in Max's way. Kate was so light on her feet that Max never stood a chance catching her. Soon they were back at the beach where Al lay sleeping. Both dogs were panting. They were having fun, enjoying the sheer delight of the other's company. Aye, you're a stubborn one, lass. I have no doubt you can handle anything that comes your way. You can certainly keep me on me paws, that's for sure, said Max, exhausted. Kate jumped into the water to cool off, allowing the waves to splash over her fur. Whee! The water feels grand, Max! Come on in! shouted Kate. Ah, no thanks, Kate. I'll get cooled off enough here by the water's edge, replied Max. Kate was puzzled as to Max's seeming aversion to water. Max spied a sand crab crawling on his reed and took off running. Get away from me, reed, you wee beast, he growled. The crab darted into its cavernous hole out of sight. Max picked up his reed and brought it over to the water's edge. Is that your reed? The one that talked to you then? asked Kate. Aye, this reed has helped me out of tight spots. So it's special to me. I don't want a pesky crab trying to get inside it then, replied Max. Kate came out of the water and shook from head to toe. Sea spray went all over Max. <laughs> Thanks, lass, Max said sarcastically. Happy to help, smirked Kate. They walked up the beach to get Al, who was still sleeping soundly on the warm sand. Al, wake up! Time to go, said Max. Al continued to sleep, ignoring Max's call. Max noticed a large sand crab hole right next to Al's head. He sniffed all along the sand until he came to another hole several feet away. Watch this, Max whispered to Kate with a wink. Max started digging furiously in the hole, sand flying everywhere. All of a sudden, a huge sand crab came darting out the hole by Al's head. Startled, it raised its claws and stood there in defiance of this big orange invader. Max yelled loudly to Al, Al, wake up! Time to go! This time Al woke up to see large pincers staring him in the face. Ah! cried Al. The sand crab pinched Al on the nose, not letting go. Al went running around in circles with the crab hanging on for dear life. He finally flung the crab off and watched as it scurried off into another hole out of sight. Al went running after the crab and planted his face right in the sand. He looked up to find Kate and Max chuckling at the now very awake Al. His face and whiskers were covered with sand. Max was rolling on the beach with laughter next to Kate, and Al came over and joined them. 
did you see the size of that monster? It had me by the nose, it did. Sure, but I fought back, said Al excitedly. Aye, lad, you were fierce too. Look at the way you went after it. Good going, lad. I'm proud of you, said Max. I'm kind of proud of myself too, said Al, spitting sand as he spoke. Sure, but that were a rude awakening. Kate laughed at the two of them, wondering what their journey together must have been like up until now. Al ran back to the crab hole to see if he could find his nemesis. Kate whispered to Max, Why did you do that to poor Al? Besides it being funny and all. Max whispered back, Al's been working on improving his courage. As he gets braver, he needs a greater test to make him even stronger. I'm just trying to help him along. The words were no sooner out of his mouth than Max thought of his own challenges and tests throughout this journey. The maker was making him stronger with each one. He grinned as he looked up at the fire cloud, giving a nod of thanks to the maker. A shadow flew overhead. Another shadow came. The trio looked up to see Krynan and Bethu coming in for a landing. Max jumped up and shook off the sand. Well, did you find him then? asked Max eagerly. Aye, lad, we did. He's on his way, replied Krynan with a grin. Good work, me friends. Go tell Craddock to meet us at the rock jetty two miles down the beach. That should be a good place, instructed Max. The two gulls took off once again as Max turned to Kate and Al, saying, Let's go! Al looked at Kate, and she answered his questioning face. I don't know anything other than going to a rock jetty, so don't ask me. Max, what's this all about? asked Al. You'll see, Big Al. Trust me, replied Max, off trotting and calling behind him. The three friends went running down the beach. They enjoyed the freedom of being on a wide open shore with the sun shining and the sounds of the sea filling their ears. The fire cloud burned brightly in the sky, keeping watch over them and waiting for them. Okay, so it were a day at the beach. I stand correctly. Uh, you mean you stand corrected? Huh? That's what I said. No, Max. The saying is when one sees that they are mistaken, they say, oh, I stand corrected. Aye, I do stand correctly. But, Max, what Look I said... Look at me then, see? Hmm? All four paws firmly on the ground, oui. head up, tail up, ears up. See? I stand correctly. We, oui, you certainly do. I was wrong. I stand corrected. Well, no harm, lass. We all make mistakes. We, oui, we certainly do. But no matter, for we still have time for another wee chapter today, lass. And in chapter 11, we're going way back in time. We, oui, to a dream about a deep, dark cave with Noah, his father, Lemech, and the dream. And... There might be a wee clue as to who my friend Craddock is. Ah, uh, stop teasing, Max. I weren't teasing, Max. No. I were teasing you. <laughs> and all the lads and lasses. <sighs> I stand corrected. Chapter 11. Dreams. The Cave. Noah put a few more sticks in the fire and stoked it until the blaze once again burned brightly, lighting up the walls of the cave. He walked over to where his father, Lamech, was sleeping. Noah reached into his own pocket for the cloth pouch he brought with him. Gently, he touched his father's shoulder. Father, Noah quietly asked. 
Lamech stirred. Father, Ada has fixed you some food. Lamech opened his eyes. Slowly, he struggled to sit up while Noah helped him turn slightly to prop his back against the cave wall. Noah then unwrapped some bread and pulled a skin of water from his belt. Did you have a good sleep? Lamech nodded and smiled. Dreams of my youth. Lamech touched the raindrop mark on his cheek and began to remember his dream. A very old Adam and a young Lamech walk along a well-worn path. Adam uses his torch as a walking stick. Are we going to the cave? Can we? Can we? Please, great father, can we please go to the cave? Young Lamech begs. Adam grimaces at the exuberance of the young boy. Lamech, I told you we are going to the cave. Do I finally get to see? Do I? Do I get to see? Lamech keeps pleading when Adam suddenly stops in his tracks. Lamech, we are here, Adam says as he pulls back some branches to reveal an opening to a cave. Adam lights two torches that had been hidden in the bushes. He hands one torch to young Lamech, and the two enter the cave. Adam walks slowly, cautiously, watching his steps. The boy respectfully follows slowly behind. It is not too far. Just around this rock, Adam instructs the young boy. They round the rock and with the two torches burning bright, the walls of the cave light up with thousands of hand-drawn pictures. Lamech steps up to the nearest drawing, holding his torch close so that he might see the detail. He runs his fingers over the picture in awe. He moves to another picture and does the same, studying and admiring in awe. You were right, great father. These are unimaginable. I have never seen animals like this, Lamech exclaims excitedly. Adam looks thoughtfully at the pictures. Some of these I have not seen since I named them. What is this, Father Adam? Lamech asked, pointing to the cave wall. Adam steps over and recognizes the drawing of an ostrich. That is a strange one. It thinks it can fly and roars like a lion. It's an ostrich. And this, Lamech continues pointing down the wall. Bear, otter, kangaroo, and crab. Adam names as Lamech points. And this, is it as big as your drawing, great father? That is one I only saw once. The day that I named it. That is a whale. Adam said, marveling at the enormous creature on the wall. Lamech holds up his torch and looks around the enormous cave filled with years and years of drawings. Great Father, how long can we stay here? Now that you know, you will have years to spend here, Adam replies, squeezing the young boy's shoulder. Lamech smiles and spins around, scanning the thousands of drawings. He returns his gaze to the large one he'd been studying. Whale. Ooh, I think I know who Craddock is. How about you lads and lasses, then? Did you pick up on the wee clue, too? Well, be listening next week, and you'll be getting your answer. And speaking of answers, it's time for the lady with all the answers, Miss Jenny Cote. Time for another Jenny's Corner. Hello, Miss Jenny. Hey, Max and Liz. 
Liz, did you have a question for me today? Uh, oui, madame. We know this story is based on the maker's grand story, but it was you who created many of the stories within the story, uh, like the cave we just heard about. It is très fascinating. How did you come up with that? That is a great question, Liz, and one that I'm thrilled to answer because the answer has an exciting tidbit of news, I guess. So the scene of the dreams in the cave with the animal drawings in the cave, this actually came about when I was still working on editing the book, and I'd met my dear friend Lori Merritt, who is my scriptwriter, who has taken The Ark, the Read, and the Fire Cloud and written a script for an animated feature film. And so the beauty of the way Lori and I worked together was that she read the book from the vantage point of a screenwriter and what it would look like on film. And she would come up with some great ideas that I would then incorporate into the book before the book was released. And this particular scene of the drawings in the cave was really her idea as we brainstormed on it. And it's going to be so exciting to see this on the big screen. And we hope and we pray it will happen sooner rather than later. We have worked on this for, oh, a dozen years. God has brought some amazing people into our path to make this animation possible. And so I am hoping in the not-too-distant future to be able to announce that the Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud animated film is underway. So those of you listening who would love to see this book as a movie, just pray. We know that the maker is going to make it happen on his timeline and not ours, but we're very excited about what that is going to look like, and I particularly can't wait to see this scene of the drawings on the cave. Ah, thanks, lass. What a creative writer ye be. Tis a privilege to be a wee part of your stories. And you too can be a part of this podcast. We would love for you to send us a letter with questions or comments for Miss Jenny, or tell us who your favorite character is and what you like about them, whatever is on your mind. Anything at all. We want you to be a part of the podcast with us then. Just send us an email. Write to Jenny at Jenny at EpicOrderOfTheSeven.com Write announcer la- uh, Right, sir? Right, Max. That's Jenny at EpicOrderOfTheSeven.com And as Max and Liz hinted earlier, on our next podcast, we'll find out all about Craddock. Uh, let's see if you've already got it figured out, all right? That's next time. Don't miss it. Once again, the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, is produced by Playful World Ministries, and The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud was written by Jenny L. Cody. To purchase your copy of The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud on audiobook, log on to audible.com. And for all the amazing books by Jenny L. Cody, the entire collection of The Epic Order of the Seven, log on to Jenny's website, www.epicorderoftheseven.com. That's epicorderoftheseven.com. See you next time on the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast. And I'm Denny Brownlee. Thanks for joining us. Have a grand day. Au revoir, mes amis.